0: Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Hey Gabby, I'm calling your kid. I need some advice. Hold up more. Hold up more. Let's go. All right. That looks great, Gabby.
1: Let's make those legs longer. So, G, how's it going with the kids? Um, I do not Mom, feel like training. Here. More grass. Let it go. What's your plan? Okay, I'll be on a minute. Let's go, Gabby. You want to train do
0: you with you guys do you uh, the I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm
1: coming. I'm coming. I'm coming.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is New York Times best-selling author, Kimberly Snyder. She has a new book out called You Are More Than You Think You Are. Huh. Oh, isn't that true? <laughs> I think I am a good person to interview Kimberly because she has this fairy-like quality and you know, I, I at times am pretty practical. However, what you realize is that her and I believe in so many of the same things, it's just different ways of at arriving at it. And even in her book, there's a ton of science. So if you need sort of hard information as to why a lot of this works, whether it's meditating or you know, being communing with nature. I mean, these are real reminders, but she's organized it beautifully in the book. And there was two things that really felt important is she said, you know, we're all becoming. And I think that's so true. I think we are still all becoming and we need to let ourselves, but we also have to participate in that. And then the other thing was, could we have a practice in place where we knew how to listen to ourselves and then put that into the world and participate that way and experience the world from there versus always trying to keep up with what we think we're supposed to do as you know the outside world defines us, what we're supposed to want, what we're supposed to look like, who, you know all of it? And I really appreciate Kimberly's message, her thoughtfulness, and her book. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation.
1: Gabby, I want to share that, you know, our first interaction, I don't know if you remember this, but I was... Was was it a parking spot involved? No, I was actually um, interviewing your lovely husband for my podcast Mm -hmm. and I was in a closet. This was, you know, this is experience I talk about in the book. I was... um, I had just left a relationship, so I was a new single mom. I had my 18-month-old there. I was in this in-between house I was renting. It was super awkward. I was trying to figure out life. And the only place that I could find quiet space was in my closet, which was carpeted. And I remember I was like trying to pretend it wasn't my closet, but you could see. And Laird was like, are you in your closet? And then you came in for a minute and you were like, oh, she's in the closet. Um, I've done that before. And you said it so matter-of-factly and so non-judgmentally and with just acceptance and love. I already I always knew who you were but my um connection to you in that moment just was like oh my god I get goosebumps even now I just felt like this woman is so centered and loving and amazing and so that was our
0: first Oh wow. in the closet. Oh yeah, I've been in the closet so <laughs> many times I can't tell you. You know what's interesting is when I when I have someone like you who who sort of you know commits to this space you know you have a ton of other books uh, uh about it, a lot. Of, it's always within, you know, the beauty within, and you and you have other other things you talk about now. Your new book, um, you're more than you think you are. Anytime, oftentimes, when people are committed to this space the way you are, it's because there's a high level of sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And so I look at that, it's like very different. Um, someone's explained that I live very much from like the neck up mm. in a certain way. I have, very, I think I have pretty strong instincts about people, but otherwise it's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I don't want to say, it's just more very analytical, right? So when I see this, I'm always like, oh, the, sen- the sensitive person is the one who can actually address these things. Yes. We all have different versions, right? Like of course I have versions of this about, you know, needing balance and meditation and not comparing myself and not worrying about what people think, but it, just to a, a different degree. And and so I'm always interested in like you in a way, Pay for being this way. And then I also feel that a lot of times you're working it all through the work and then trying to help other people that go through this.
1: I, I, you know, I think that we, in my case, I've always written about what I'm seeking and how I'm healing myself. And so for me, you know, I was an extremely anxious person before, insomnia, a lot of digestion issues, bloating, acne. I was a mess. And so in the beginning, um, now it's come full circle because 10 years ago exactly was when I published my first book. So it's been six books in 10 years.
0: Now, when did did you do the one with Deepak uh, Chopra? What number book was that? That was number four. That was a big move. (laughs) That was a big move. That was,
1: well... If I could go back, the the story is, um, you know, the the quick summary is that when I graduated from college, I didn't know what I was going to do. At one point, I thought I was going to be a doctor, and then I interned in a hospital. I had a partial science science and math scholarship, and then when I was in the hospital, I thought, oh, like, this isn't for me. So I saved some money, I worked, and then I traveled for what I thought was going to be a couple weeks, and it ended up, you know, kind of just going and going. I was doing it for a couple dollars a day, bought a car in Africa, lived out of my car for seven months sold the car back, kept going. Were you alone? I was alone, but I'd meet people along the way. Okay. Um, So it ended up, Gabby, being three years through over 50 countries. And that was the point where I completely reframed my vision of the world. I sort of, you know, broke this, like, very achievement-focused grades. Everything was external. And I started to actually connect to myself for the first time. I wasn't in the Western world. So I was most, you know, a lot of these countries and the place that had the biggest impact on me uh, philosophy wise was India. So the first time I went, I went there for three months and I came back and spent more time. And this is where I started to learn about yoga and meditation for the first time. And I remember going and someone said to me right away in the ashram, they looked right in my eyes and he said, there's something wrong with your eyes. And I was like, oh, and he said, you need to learn to meditate so he could feel this restlessness inside of me. Mm. So I started, I found this, you know, these books by Paramahansa Yogananda. I didn't know who he was, but he's the one that brought yoga from the East to the West. He came to America. So I started reading his books, Gabby, and it started to like, I felt this fire inside of me. And I, you know, the whole time I was traveling, I didn't even know what I was seeking, but it was all, it's like I was trying to to move this energy, this anxiety, this, you know, now I can name it. It was like this discomfort with myself. Mm. And so I moved back to the East Coast because that's where my family is from. So
0: from India, from world travels to the East Coast.
1: So I was like, boom, here I am in New York City. And I you know, I was broke. Um, and that's I a
0: tough place to be. didn't know broke. what
1: to be, you know, where I was, you know, what I was going to do, but I was, you know, starting to teach yoga. Mm-hmm. And then I was going back to nutrition school. And then I was starting to apply these teachings, which are really about concentrating our energy from out here, from the senses into the spine, into the Shishumna Nadi, what's called the central energy channel. And I was starting to work with my own energy. And the amazing thing is I started to see patterns emerging. And, it was like i stepped into this river of flow it's not that there were there weren't ups and downs but instead of this pushing and constant achievement started to feel like things were unfolding. So I started a free WordPress blog. And then all I I just spoke about it to my yoga students, I didn't know anything about SEO or marketing. And it started to spread throughout New York City. And then my first um, celebrity found me. And I don't even own a TV to this day. So I wasn't trying to get into that world. And then I got on a film set. And then I started working with all these other actors. What happens on a
0: film set? Like, why do they have you on a film set trying to keep everybody sane? So it's it's wellness. (laughs) So it's what I call the of cornerstones on my four
1: cornerstones, which are food, body, yoga, asanas, emotional well-being, spiritual growth. So meditation, like all of it, food. And then it just sort of parlayed. But anyways, the the end of this long story while I'm telling you this is that um, I started doing national television shows. And then I got my first book deal, which was with HarperCollins, my Mm -hmm. first publisher. And Sarah was my first editor. And um, I remember I had a book proposal called Catching the Fire. And it was a travel memoir with some of these teachings. And she looked at my free blog at the time and she's like, oh, she's like, but the food stuff is starting to pick up in the the recipes. So why don't we do a food book first? Mm-hmm. And then this will be the second book. The first book was the beauty detox solution that went to sell like a million copies right. and then went on. And then the second book became a food book. But now why I'm so excited is All, you know, all the the ways that I was able to create, to dig myself out from that anxious mess, from being broke, from not knowing myself at all, from always being desperate, you know, in love and all these broken relationships was these teachings. So it's like six books later, I'm able to finally share it. And, um, you know, you asked about Deepak. That book was like sort of the beginning of the turning point. I was starting to, you know, speak more publicly about these spiritual teachings and mental health and emotional well-being, but it was still a hybrid book. And then the next the last one was a hybrid book. And this is the full, here's my playbook.
0: And this is what I think can really help. So I want I have a, a definitely a few questions. When you're <laughs> when you're traveling, it's an interesting thing because what I'm curious about is when you were traveling, and this is just a you know, kind of an overview question, because I think sometimes there's small ways to do this in our everyday life. Yes. Is we learn this anxiety, these things, this um, discomfort with ourselves, the inner voice, the negativity, whatever the things when we're hard on ourselves, when we feel uncomfortable. When you were traveling, that opportunity just to be whoever you are, did that liberate you from some of those ills just by getting out of the friends that know you the environment you grow up in the people your parents that know you your family members everything's defined already because i feel like if there was ways to pull out of that identity in in everyday practices yes. you know meditation is probably a very good way to do that but you want you see how much that outside definition can make us torture ourselves.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's all the labels. It's all the identifications. Um, So to answer your question, Gabby, initially, yes. Initially, it was like, oh, I don't have to worry about my grades. I was, you know, super obsessed with being the top student. Was was, that
0: from you or from your family or where'd that come from? So
1: I, you know, looking back on it now, you know, I... No blame, right? Every, everybody's yeah. doing their best. Every parent's doing their best. And I think a lot of this is passed on intergenerationally. Um, but I did adopt a belief system that achievement equals love and validation. Like, I had to earn love mm-hmm. to an extent. Um, so in the beginning, when I was traveling, it was like, oh, I'm free of this. But you cannot escape yourself. So I would say a couple months in, mm-hmm. it started to come back. Like, the, the oppression and the self-doubt and all of that. So... The practices that I talk about in this book, and I wanted to use the word practical because sometimes I read these teachings and I love Eckhart Tolle and some of the stuff, but it's like, what do I do with this? And it's the practices that help us keep coming back. And the biggest um, takeaway that I want to you know, share about the, you know, these teachings is that the reason we struggle so much and the reason we feel not enough, the reason we're always looking out and we're always feeling competitive is because we over-identify with the ego. And, you know, the yogis teach us that the ego, Wayne Dyer says this 2% or less, this shell of who we are is what we put our full worth in, what we look like, what we do, our Mm to-do list, you know, that day, everything out here. And the reason this book is called You Are More Than You Think You Are, we are not that. The true self is who we really are. And it's this formless energy inside of us. You can call it spirit individualized, the soul. It's this unique energy we have. It's this stable part of us. It's the voice of intuition. Mm-hmm. It's the um, energy of our hearts. It's when we go past the doubting thoughts and we're just feeling and we're letting that guide us. And that can be honed with practices, especially balancing being out here all the time yeah. and really having practices that take us inside, meditation, more stillness, journaling, Batching social media times, you know, very specific things we do, watching the gap, the gaps in between breaths, which I have a chapter about. There's practices that, you know, seem small, they're accessible, but they really add up in big ways. You know, I say, oh my gosh, I look at where I was and like my whole world was external. Do people think I'm cool enough? Do guys think I'm pretty? Am I going to be invited? What's the number on the scale? Where do I rank in the class? I mean, it's endless and endless. Mm -hmm. So the cause of suffering is, you know, this, um, in yoga, we talk about the sen- the ego is, is, is using the five senses. So everything's out here. It's like, Gabby, I'm looking at you with my two physical eyes. My hands are touching this table. But as we go deeper into, um, the, again, shishima nodding to the central energy channel, we start to learn about a different way of a different kind of vision, which is your third eye. And the yogis teach when you focus on this spot, you're actually activating this part of your brain, which is called the medulla oblongata. And it's at the brainstem between the brain and your spine. And when you do that, you have a different um, so-called vision. You can see beyond what your physical eyes can see. And this is the vision, um, the feeling of, again, instinct, intuition, heart, where you start to be, when I described being in a flow, I wasn't... Like pushing like I used to. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, oh, I had to get all this stuff done. It's sort of like you, you just feel um, like you're in a different flow state and you are in a sense because even your brain is going from really fast beta brain waves into those slower alpha waves, mm-hmm. which is where peak creativity and performance come from. I mean, even if you don't use that language, Gabby's an athlete, you know, when you're sure. in the volleyball, it, it's just like you're getting into those states. And that is something, that is a skill you can learn. It's not that some people are born with it more than others. So I say it's not necessarily more work but it's a shift of focus. You we do the practices even if it's 7 minutes in morning my um, practical enlightenment meditations are about 7 minutes each, but it's really important to start the day in that centered place to get into your body before you go on Instagram, before you start making food choices, before because you get triggered and you have all these reactions pulling you outside because we're not in the true self connection, we're
0: still in the ego. I think when I what I'm always so fascinated to try to figure out, you know, you have two young children, boys, and I have three girls who are, they're formed, you know, they're pretty, they're 13, 18, and 26. I mean, these are formed humans. Yes. Is, we talk a lot, um, and it's, I've I've had it for whatever reason, I think it's the way I grew up, I wasn't taught. um, There was never really like a big, there was definitely not a conversation around Performance mm. or expectation. No, no one I knew really was overly fancy. I grew up on an island. So really, I th- which islands? Um, on Saint Thomas. Oh wow! And so I think that instilled in me. Like if you said I have a yellow diamond, I'd be like, okay, I don't understand. Like it doesn't. Those things never caught me. Mm. But what I what I've really, when you talk about ego. Is the entire world tells us all the time that those are the valuable things. Yes. How do we also? And and this comes from practice, but also when you have a young person who, even if let's say it's sort of all lined up pretty good for them as far as like their EQ, their IQ, they have a pretty good sense of self. Is the stillness or the ability to under to trust how you feel and your worth is based on your definition is unsexy, uncelebrated. <laughs> it's very quiet. And it's, so it's an interesting thing to try to bestow to get into the younger person sooner. And yes, obviously you can, yes. you can model it, right? Like my best shot is just to try to model it and I don't rag on things. I don't uh, criticize you know, why does that person need that? Or, you know, what's the outfit? They're just going to the market. Why are they wearing a full face of makeup to go to the gym and go to spin class? I've, you know, I'm I'm at a place where I I want to get rid of that. I might observe it and be like, huh, that's interesting, you know? But it's also how do we get people to yes. connect with the wonder that is really so personal and so quiet Yes.
1: Thank you. This is an amazing, amazing question, Gabby. So two things. Number one, there's a chapter in the book about confidence. And if we are trying to derive our confidence from anything external, we're always going to be in that struggle. We're always going to be not quite there or it's up and down. Like if you're an actor, oh, this movie did really well, but the second one tanked. So it's sort of this, um, you know, like riding these, these waves of choppy waters. And so really the source of confidence, when you start to peel away the layers of the onion, the very core, the steadiness of confidence comes from one thing and one thing alone in the very, very deep authentic sense. And it goes back to, you know, we get, um, I quote scriptures here from all around the world because there's this oneness that you start to see that's unifying. And this goes back to when Moses asked the Almighty, Moses, by the way, is the name of my second son. Um, Moses asked the Almighty, you know, what, what are you? What is this? And he said one sentence, I am that I am. So the core of confidence is I am a unique creation of spirit. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm here. Mm-hmm. And that's it. <laughs> you know, if we're here and we're alive and we're breathing. We should be confident in that. And so most all of us are not taught that, like you said, in Western society, it's like we we try to paint things on all the time. Oh, I you know I'm the, you know, wearing the glittery makeup already in pageants by the time I'm eight or I'm the best one on the soccer team mm-hmm. or, you know, my case, I'm number one in my class. It's all of that. So I think at any point in our life, whether, you know, we're 80 years old or, you know, my five-year-old, we can come back, we can start to reframe things. When we start to have more of that awareness of true self, and oh my gosh, this is a resource that's always available to me, versus over-identifying. So what I say with my sons is, you know, I think with with children and teenagers, you have any time, what doesn't, you know, doesn't may not seem as sexy and bright, but you said it's quiet, but it's, it's a, very powerful experience that's felt beyond the mind. It's felt right here. When you look someone in the eyes and you can just be with them and say, I love you just for you. Mm-hmm. You need do nothing. Like We don't need anything but this moment, this moment I'm having with you right now, Gabby, yeah. like this is it. And so in the in the beauty, there's a chapter on beauty, which is an interesting subject for me because I never felt beautiful. I grew up in a Caucasian town and I'm half Asian, and right. people always were like, what are you? Literally, that was the question, not, you know, what ethnicity. Not, but yeah, like, what, where's
0: your family from? But No, no what, what are, are you? you? Like,
1: I'm an alien, and so I grew up feeling, like, very like the other. And I'm half Filipina, which, you know, I have Spanish blood, so it was always like, oh, are you Native American? Are you Japanese? Whatever. So back to, you know, what we start our conversation, we go to, like, where we need healing. So I never felt, I always felt ugly and strange looking. Four of my previous book titles have The word beauty, including the book I did with Deepak called Radical Beauty, so now I I I feel very um, I feel very strong in my position, my my definition
0: of beauty. You hit that one pretty good. (laughs) No,
1: now it's it's very clear. It's that we are all unique, so by definition, we are all beautiful in our own way. But here's the big but, but the it is the degree to which someone is connected to their true self that you really feel that beauty radiate, Mm -hmm. even if they don't use that language. What I mean is when someone is so comfortable with themselves and they're so natural, it's an energy that you experience. It goes beyond thoughts. And you're talking about your daughters, oh, it's not as like sexy and as exciting. Mm -hmm. But when you are in the presence of someone that is so comfortable and just so loving and not judgy because they're not judgy with themselves, you actually gravitate towards that. And then, you know, then it's like the teachings of this is how you gain that real self connection. It's available to all of us. It takes some practices. It takes some, you know, shifts, but it's always there. And then you're connected. It's not about features. It's not about, you know, getting more work or getting more makeup or more clothes yeah. or more fashion. That stuff's fun, but don't ever mistake that for true beauty. True beauty is our connection to the true self.
0: And I think it's important to to. Note that you can have the practice, and you can feel this that that feeling most of the time, and you can still sometimes look in the mirror and think, "Huh, it's not my favorite day." Of or course, I feel we come in and out. I look tired or whatever. So I think it's really important to to sort of remind people that we don't arrive. No. at like, but when it's when it's driving the ship more times during throughout your day and you also have the practice to kind of reinforce that because we're human and it's messy and we're insecure and and um and i think going back to young people it's reinforcing that because the world will always tell you something different totally it just will it's just it's easy to sell it's you know we've got boatloads of things that we want you to buy and it keeps everybody in need and and so i think it's just always important that we can identify that Um, And not beat ourselves up that some days. I mean, I have it. I I mean, I will not. I I always say, like, don't look at a mirror, like outside, you know, the car rearview mirror, because you just think, oh, okay, that is that how it is today, you know? And and, (laughs) you you know what I mean. And have fun with it. And the other thing that I think is interesting, and I'd love to get your thing on it is, but it's also don't keep perpetuating that. So I wouldn't feel that way, and then go down and see Laird and be like. God, I look really tired today. And then re- go and work out with my girlfriend, and be like, "God, don't I look like shit today?" It's like it'll also get control of recognize your feeling, yes. hold the feeling, but it's a little bit like gossip. Like, let it die. Like, don't be the perpetuator of this exactly thought.
1: Exactly. So, and you you said it right there, Gabby. You said thought. So there's two things. Number one is you know the the funny duality within the oneness, if you will, is that we're becoming the human part of us and at the same time we have you know we're here the true self is this whole perfect part of us and this is our real identity but at the same time we're having an embodied human experience so we're all stumbling along and when you see the book and i you know i'm very honest about my struggles and very hard times in my life and i'm not there there's no like there for enlightenment it's more about getting on the path and having a practice to come back in. And, but we're in and out, we're in our humanness, and then we're in our you know divine true self, we're in and out. But it's the more we realize, oh, I'm not, this isn't all who I am, the, the human, the ego part, then we don't take it so seriously. Right. So the second part what you said is thought. So there's a big, um, and I talk about this in the chapter, You Are Whole, where we need to really get clear about thoughts and feelings. So the body has incredible wisdom to share with us. And if we start to tune into our body, we will become aware of you know, our nervous system reactions, um, triggers, things that hit on old wounds, and they will. Feel, we will feel actual sensations in the body. Mm-hmm. So for instance, a, a trigger of mine is not being seen. So if someone kind of talks over me or they interrupt me, it kind of triggers that, and I feel it in a very specific place in my upper abdomen. So it's a sensation that now I know is like, I catch myself because I'm, I have trained myself to know this sensation and the work of Dr. David Hawkins, who's an amazing psychologist who wrote the book, Letting Go. What he says is if you stay with a feeling and a sensation, it usually lasts at most 10 minutes. and because energy, emotions are energy in motion. So that sensation in your physical body can actually pass through like a wave, right? Mm-hmm. So when those things happen, you look in the mirror, you're like, oh, Ooh, I'm feeling a tightening in my lungs or in my chest or wherever it is. You sit with that feeling. You are there. We can self-soothe ourselves or the inner resource to sit with Gabby and say, okay, I'm gonna breathe through this sensation. What we do not do is entertain the thoughts. Thoughts can go on, you know, this is what the mind trick is this is the ego. Thoughts can go on millions and millions of thoughts. Oh, I didn't sleep enough last night. My eyes are puffy. Oh, you know, wonder if my husband's gonna make a comment. Da, 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 da. Forget the thoughts yeah. and let the energy pass through. Because what we do is we distract. Or when you when you talk more, when you give the thought to actually keep it alive, yeah. so it doesn't pass through. So it's almost like when we don't digest food and we get bloated, and it actually stays in your GI tract. It starts to you know the the gases start to come and make you you know wider, and starts um, the start to start to ferment prematurely, and the proteins start to putrefy. There is a stagnation. So that's what happens when we keep talking about the negative thought. We keep it alive. In contrast, what we need to learn, the practices I teach, you really go into that feeling and that sensation, which is not something we're taught in the West. We're taught to turn on YouTube, turn on Netflix, call a friend, bitch to my friend. But no, no, no. We have this power to Mm. learn this skill of letting it pass through. Then we come back to center. And only then, (laughs) ideally, only then do we
0: speak. Right. I find myself, I talk very little typically about my feelings. And now what I've learned over let's say the last 10 or 15 years or actually I talk quite a bit but I don't talk immediately about them. Yes. And it isn't like 3 weeks later. It's just later after. Mm-hmm. You know, is it later in the day, especially if it's serious. Uh, you know, one thing we've learned and I've learned in my house is clear the decks always. Laird is the most clear the decks person I've I'll ever love met. That. Yeah, try living with it. You love it. It's like, <laughs> just let me hold on to this for a minute. What's up? What's up? You know, like or just goes right in he all the time. It. All the time. But <laughs> is sometimes even if it's like an ugly yes. feeling or I've had an or I've had an I tend to lean into things with aggression. So if somebody hurts me or makes or threatens my ego, I actually mm-hmm. turn into like mm-hmm. I go the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, which has its own set of Real fear, because that's a compensation, right? For I'm uncomfortable, I'm fearful, you know, whatever. Um, is I'll say, hey, can I confess? I had some really ugly thoughts today, and I usually mm. not not usually. Let's say my partnership, it won't be. It'll be something a scenario in business where I felt like somebody if they didn't do their job, and I've been watching it, and now I'm frustrated, and it makes me feel aggressive. I'll. Ch- Kind yes. of pull back a little and say okay what's really the best strategy and mm-hmm. how can i proceed succinctly but still in love mm. not in you know a vindictive spirit you know it's like how can i be you have to be tough Well, the, you that ability to pull back is strength right but still i feel there's been something uh that has been helpful which is in the in also once you've felt it all the way through the the offloading of like the obs- observation of yourself so saying like hey I had this real ugly, mm-hmm. you know, thought. Mm-hmm. And it's not done in a way to perpetuate. It's in a, in a way to like almost fully feel it, give birth to it, and it's gone forever. Because if you're trying so hard to stay in and of love, right. which doesn't mean weakness, which doesn't mean not direct communication, which doesn't mean setting not setting boundaries, I'm not talking about that, is I feel like you owe it to yourself to also sort of allow all of it to come through because you know, you're going to try to have the discipline to go back to trying to handling it the right way, which means sometimes I want to say, you know, I wanted to choke their neck today Mm -hmm. because I don't, if I'm always so disciplined and like you're, I want to get into the practice because I'm a full believer that we can have all the knowledge, but if we have no No, practice, we have nothing. Right. But it's like this thing of, um, it would almost be like looking at the case at the pastry place and just allowing yourself to be like, I'm fully going to look at every single pastry and wonder what it tastes like. Because I know actually I'm not going to eat it because I know I don't really want it. I know it's not going to you know, make me feel good. I know it's not going to serve the greater good. But I'm going to fully look at, enjoy, smell, and even ponder what it would taste like. And I sometimes feel that way about negative emotion, mm-hmm. whether about a another person or myself um, and usually the self ones I say for one safe friend mm-hmm. the one that knows where I'm coming from and we're not going to go on and on but it's like a safe place like a box I can dump my crap and they go huh been there you know like yeah I'll be like oh my god today I mean I really I'm under I'm aware of time moving mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and they go oh, totally. I have one of those last week and it's over. So it's more constructive, but it's still the allowance of the messiness of the thing. And then the, okay, I'm finally just going to fully get rid of it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that, um, I think there's a balance. I think it's beautiful to have community yes. and have these like shared experiences and safe spaces. So if you have those friends that you know are going to be supportive and not... Judgy, I think that's, yeah. you know, you
0: know who you're sharing with. Yeah, there's one.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. We all have
0: one. And it's also a practical friend. Yes. I don't want to tell somebody who's going to throw gas on it.
1: Exactly. exactly. And, and this
0: isn't every time I have the experience. This is when it's big enough for me that I do need to fully get rid of it.
1: Mm-hmm. For me, I, the, I had someone that I would go to all the time, my best friend, and it was always like, oh, like this, like this. I, it's like almost like my, he was like my anchor. Mm-hmm. He's still my best friend. But what I found in um, going deeper into these practices, I found more and more like I am my own anchor yeah. and I did, never knew that years ago. Um I feel that a lot of our triggers and the reasons we feel certain ways is a safety issue. You know, safety and taking things personally. Mm -hmm. Real safety and security can't come from outside of us. I've come to realize, you know, look at what happened with COVID, right? And it can't come from other people loving us exactly in the way we want or saying those things Mm -hmm. because people are unpredictable and people have their own journeys. So what's really helped me is, um, you know, use the word healthy boundaries and realizing I validate myself, I validate my own feelings, I soothe myself, I show up for myself. Yeah. Um, and so you, know, you were talking about, you know, kind of um, putting it in a box and, and helping it, you know, kind of pass through. And, um, you know, going back to the work of Dr. David Hawkins, he talks about these um, patterns of energies, like getting, you can get to the bottom of the well, so I used to, you know, whatever energies we keep coming up for us, frustration, anger, resentment, whatever, nervousness, you know, big one for me, worry. If we keep processing it, there is actually a, a place yeah. where we get to more stability. So for me, um, you know, and I'm also a nutritionist, thinking about things in terms of digestion was really helpful. Mm-hmm. I realized that I was never taught to really digest these energies. And so it is a real skill in those moments, like it, it dings, like some of your co worker says something or someone on my team it has to be. I stop. I do not email. I do not speak. No. I go right into my body because the thing is, our, our, mind like i said the ego will tell us stories over on top of the facts this person offended me i'm slighted you know all these things that cause even more of course. drama and reactions but the body again is has so much wisdom to tell us and i didn't really use the body as a tool until recently so the body will really help us reframe things if we ha- we have to learn cut off You know, trigger brain, go into the body, locate the sensation, breathe into the sensation, and some of the breathing practices that I use, recenter. Then we're recentering our nervous system, Mm. sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. We actually actually activate a different part of our brain. We're not just in the amygdala. We're turning on the prefrontal cortex and all these other parts, and then it passes through in a very healthy way we have digested what has happened yeah. and yes you know sometimes we need support we can share with a friend yeah. or whatever it is but i found because i was um oversharing i was like over relying on it Yeah. so now it's like most of the time
0: that's I can what actually cope yeah oh no i'm saying but sometimes I'm of saying of course. no i'm saying like you know once a month i ha- i have an Beautiful. offload if it's personal or professional cuz a lot of things are always happening in in work or or what have you. And, and so I guess what I'm saying is as somebody who is, is pretty measured, I'm very measured. I have found there are, it is occasionally very nice to have an outlet. Believe me, I don't want to be the person that when you see my name on your phone, you think there's a barrage of like, what's up, what's happening now. I'm going to be like, my first question is going to be, how are you? what's going on with you. And I barely will need anyone. I don't even really need to engage about mm. like, what's going on with me. And when people ask me, I'm usually like, it It, it really doesn't matter. Like, I'm good. You know, it's, yeah. it, I have a tendency to be more like that. But I, I will say that sort of, I mean, you said it's like digestion. I mean, sometimes you have to let it out. Totally. You know, and just be like, this situation, <laughs> you know. Totally. Like, but it's actually after you've, figured it out and you have comforted yourself, there's something to be said for going to that one safe person and being like, huh, I was crazy today. <laughs> Let me tell you what I was, what I, my reaction was, okay, I worked it out, but it, I don't know. There's something about that. So I want to get into, well, actually, I want to ask you personally before we we get into your new book, because you 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 talk about how to become your true self, how to uncover that, which I think we're all Always wondering who that is because we're here with our special purpose and our yes. unique selves. And I think when we can get to that, that makes a lot of other things certainly easier. And um, how to be more fearless and leaning into your intuition and and finding your creative power. And and the creative is an interesting word, and I want to get into that because a lot of people don't think they're creative and um, your your potential. Right? Yes, but. So you you said when you were um, in a situation, you, you had a small child and you were um, getting out of a relationship. What did you, you already had a lot, you were armed pr- with some information by then. What did you learn about yourself and about the dynamic um, out of that situation and also you know how you are in certain situations you're like if that was me now I wouldn't even even been in that relationship. Mm. You know how you have those? Yes. So what did you learn? Because you like I said you were you were studied, you were, you know, you had sure. tools. This was um you were yeah. meditating, you were doing stuff. How, what did you learn from that? And um and how are you different? So that was about um, you know, almost exactly, like four years
1: ago, four and a half years ago. And it was actually, I can say, the the rock bottom part of my life because what mm-hmm. kicked it off was um, very suddenly my mom passed away. So we found out she had, which is a, a story I describe in the love chapter, um, we found out she had cancer on Valentine's Day and then she was gone in six weeks. And she was mm-hmm. with us at Christmas. She was completely energetic. She was herself and um, it just happened very fast. And my older son was not yet a year old. She passed at the end of, you know, March 26th. Um, no, he turned one on March 26th, and then she passed on the 29th. So it was this period where um, I lost my mom. I was a new mom. And then I just kind of sat in this, like, whoa, like, what is life? Like, yeah, grief, this is, too. Grief, life, like reframing things. And then it was a few months later that I decided to leave on my own. So then I also became a single mom in the mix of it. So then I was like, this is so not how my life is turning out in any sense. So I had been um, living these teachings to an extent, but I think when you go through a really, really um, tough time, that's when you know if you're really... Believing the teachings and really living them. And that's when I really relied on them. Um, I met with a monk at the Self Realization Fellowship, which is Yogananda's organization for meditation and Kriya Yoga, um, who later, I'll spoil the story, but later was the monk that married my husband and I now. Um, But I met with a monk and he said, treat your home like an ashram for five months. And I really took that advice. Wait, what is the, what would that look like? So what that meant was I was taking care of my son. I was doing my work. But I was spending all other time pretty much in stillness and meditation. And I was reading the scriptures. And I was reading the Bhagavad Gita and the Ramayana and the Upanishads. Is this why
0: you, like, after this period, is that why you split? No. Like all, like, or is this after no, you split? No, we split. And okay. then
1: in resettling myself, okay. I went into stillness. And... Um, You know, out of that stillness, I started to develop real trust for the first time, trust Mm. in myself real confidence in myself. And then I saw, oh, wow, if I can get through this, I can get through anything. Because that period, especially when my mom was passing, I was the one holding it together. My dad, you know, God bless him. I love him, but he could not handle it. So I was like talking to the doctors. I had Emerson in a a carrier and I was kind of managing everything. He had to check out because it just was too much for him. So I was, you know, going through that. And then I became a single mom and I was like, oh shit, like this is not what my life was supposed to be. And so out of that... I went deep, deep into this self-reliance, and out of that, yeah, came my brand now mm-hmm. Saluna, which right. is the four cornerstones. So it's food, body mm-hmm. supplements, but then emotional well-being and spiritual growth. So we have something called the Saluna Circle, which is this right. women's circle of support. We have all these online courses. It completely like changed my work. This book came out of it, and out of it, I will say came this real, um, like I'm okay as me. So then sometime later, and I tell this story in the book as well, you know, some months after that wasn't looking, but I happened to be at a very random dinner party with 12 people in Venice with someone who came on my podcast that I barely knew invited me to this dinner party. I knew nobody. And in walks John, who, if I had been in Look my- Look f- little face right now. Thinking.
0: Like, for- here comes John. <laughs> Yes,
1: I mean, The story's hilarious. So I was in my thinking brain. I'm like, oh, he's not my type because he's... But you know, why were you even
0: thinking about him as like a possibility anyway? Wasn't, I wasn't mm-hmm. even
1: thinking. I was just there. And then I just, I tuned into this, um, you know, hard energy and he wasn't looking either. And we just sort of like vibed off each other. And he, t- he says now, you know, within 15 minutes, he said he knew I was going to be his wife and it, did, it just felt like this flow it didn't feel rushed, but we just, you know, like vibed. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to answer your question, um, I think that I, you know, I really went deep into my, in deep, like really into these teachings. And I realized that some of the choices I made before were still because of my safety issues. Like love, but don't love too much because then you're vulnerable, right? With a like partnership is scary. or whatever it is, exactly. So, you know, still like kind of a controlled you know, life and like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm talking about food mostly because that's safer. Um, but after that happened, I was like, you know, F this. Like, I'm just <laughs> gonna live from here. I'm gonna talk about what I really think is gonna help people the most. I'm going to, you know, go with my instincts and my intuition and holy crap, like I look back at my life four years ago to today. You know, that in-between period that I thought I was in shambles. And now I look at my life, and it's not perfect by any means. But now I live where I want to live. I'm in nature. I'm in the mountains. I have now two beautiful sons. And this relationship that, again, isn't perfect, but, you know, we we challenge each other. But the love and the connection between, you know, my husband and I is Mm -hmm. not even something I thought was possible in this lifetime. And I'm so passionate about what I'm writing about. And, you know, the first chapter of the book is you know, fearlessness. Nogananda says there are 26 soul qualities that a human being must develop in order to reach their fullest potential. And the number one quality is fearlessness, because if we don't get past the fear in the blocks, we can't go anywhere. Yeah. So the book is structured in three parts. The first part is getting past the biggest blocks, or we can't even, you know, touch our true self, fear, fear being one of them whole being one of them, because when we attach our behaviors to who we are, we create this shame that's such a heavy emotion. The second part of the book is really stepping more into the embodiment of your true self. So that's where we talk about intuition, confidence, peace. And then the third part is abundance creator. That's where you learn you're connected. You take this form, you take your unique gifts, and then you channel it into actual creations and manifestations in this earth plane. It's very powerful yeah. when you create from the inside out instead of, oh, what do people want, you know, from the outside in.
0: And also, you know, the extension of abundance, the the deeper real meaning, which is like you're saying, creativity, purpose, contribution. I think sometimes People have been taught that abundance is the actual, you know, back up the money truck and here it comes. So I think sometimes Ah, we're ah. looking for abundance in these very um, specific ways instead of recognizing it in all the ways that it really shows up. This podcast is brought to you by Ritual. I've personally been taking Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin since right when COVID hit, I was looking for something supportive and powerful. Someone suggested it to me and lo and behold, I got. I did some research. And what I love about them is, so women were kept out of research until 1993 by federal law. And Ritual really knows how important women are. Obviously, if you're going to be selling them vitamins, they're essential. And they conducted a university led human clinical trial for their essential for eight women, 18 plus multivitamin, to really assess its efficacy, so right there I was intrigued, and even more intrigued by the results. It increased vitamin D, which is what I was looking for, by levels up to forty-three percent, and omega-three DHA, so important levels by forty-one percent, and that was just in twelve weeks. So they take the time and energy to figure out, hey, you know, does this work, and is it going to be good for these women? And not to mention that what they do is so smart. They they kind of hone in on nine key nutrients and they put it in two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption. So if you're gonna spend the time, energy to really you know, navigate taking supplements, everything is bioavailable, your body can absorb it it'll know what to do. And it's really gentle on your, on your stomach. So you don't have to worry about like, oh, I have an empty stomach or after food or before food. They just take away all of those pressure points and make it as easy as possible and give you comfort in knowing also that, Rituals multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO, Project Verified, gluten and major allergen free. They're a certified B Corp, and all of their ingredients are made traceable. Don't get me started—the nice little finish touch of the minty kind of aftertaste that they put in it. I mean, they've really thought about everything. So, if you if you're interested, if you're in need, no more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. You will get 25% off your first month at Ritual.com slash Gabby. If you want to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today, that's Ritual, R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash Gabby to get 25% off your first month.
1: So what abundance really is, is in this present moment, the like feeling the fullness of this moment. So this moment right here, right now, I'm looking at these beautiful green eyes and like feeling, oh my gosh, the goosebumps, like this is full, like this is real. Mm -hmm. This is authentic. We're having this beautiful conversation. We're breathing like there's this incredible pulsing vibration right here, right now. I don't want to be anywhere else right now. I don't need anything in this moment. This moment is abundant. So the more we tune into abundance in the here and now, mm-hmm. it's a repeated vibration from the inside out that in the outside world will start to create opportunities. Yes, more prosperity, more money, more love, more friendships that really matter, are mm-hmm. like really meaningful. It starts to create form. But it's a it's a it's a fullness, it's a vibration of fullness that's yeah. right here. And to answer your question about creativity, people think creativity has to do with, you know, oh, I'm an artist or I'm a singer. No, no, no. We all are endowed with the birthright we have is creative power. Creative power means I'm inhaling, you know, I'm taking in the energy of spirit and I'm exhaling my individual expression. And that could be in, you know, creating this new business or this way of communication or this Instagram post where I'm sharing my love or a new recipe or children. It's this creative power that gets channeled in infinite ways. We can start to tap in to our our highest creative potential when we are tuned in to here, into Mm -hmm. source, into true self. Most people aren't, they wonder, oh, why can't I create, why do my businesses always fail? Or why can't I get this thing off the ground? Or, you know, why can't my social media take off? Or whatever it is, it's because we're not tapped in. We're still in the limited power of the ego. Mm -hmm. So when we Mm -hmm. pull this in, and this is, you know, available to everybody, again, with these specific practices oh man, there's this dormant power in me. And when I start to unleash that, everything, this energy runs through everything that I start to create and put energy into it. So it's like, it's in me and then it comes out of me and it's so powerful. And again, I get so excited talking about this because it's, it's, it's free. It's, you know, I'm not trying to like, right. so, you know, it was like, you know, crazy big retreat or one thing you have to do with me. No, it's in you. Mm. The Yogis have taught this for centuries. Each and every one of us accesses that uniqueness. We never need to feel like, oh my God, like, you know, competitive. We can all then enhance each other with that creativity and that power. And the other thing I want to say, Gabby, is I think in the world we, we live in, you know, we value so much of the new trends, you know, it's like the biohacking and the stuff that's new and that's fun and that's exciting, but here's the big, but there's so much value in old stuff. Yeah. And I'm talking about really old stuff, these ancient teachings. And so when I was in that period, that's where this book came from, this five month, you know, impo- you know, my, uh, my self-imposed isolation period before covid I went through thousands of pages of teachings and scriptures and the Vedas, which are the oldest texts in the world, and the Mahabharatas and the Upanishads. And this book is really me synthesizing all these old, really, really useful teachings for modern life in a really accessible way. Because I think, and I know, and I truly believe everyone should have access to these teachings and they benefit all of us. It's really the key, I think, to, you know, unlocking real joy, real peace, real happy, you know, everything that we're looking, real confidence. And most people aren't going to find them because they're so obsessed with like the new studies and what's on, you know, YouTube today and in the news cycle. And I just didn't want that to go by people.
0: Right. And then, by the way, the news is not the news. If you want to <laughs> learn something, I don't know that through the news is the way to go. I, I think, um, Well, and I appreciate, you know, the, the simple simplification of that, right? Like people... Um, I always think about like if someone is a, you know, truck driver or a school teacher or, you know, a crazy busy just starting up out of college kind of slave for hire at some giant law firm or something is how do we get how do we get books like yours to make sense for people that are like scrambling, right? Like it's a scramble, life's a scramble. Maybe someone's got to take the bus or train to work. It's a it's a hard thing. So I guess what I'm saying is, what of the practices could be implemented regardless of who, who you are? Because there are people who may be there further exposed to this kind of language. But what if we were talking to somebody who's like, what do you mean? Isn't life just hard and I'm just supposed oh my to deal gosh. with
1: it? I cannot wait for that person to read this book because I will say that one of my gifts is taking um, complex subject matter and making it very accessible. So I did that with my first book. I took all the information about digestion and I put it into very easy to understand analogies like, oh, we want the body, which is mostly water, to be like a waterfall of flow versus a stagnant pond. We're not really adequately digesting your food and there's stagnation, this and this and this. So I think the reason my books have been successful is because I take complex, you know, these philosophies mm-hmm. that seem so complex and I make it really digestible. And I've done that with this book. So it's the teachings with stories and supportive science. And anybody can relate to these stories. Like I tell the story about, you know, my friend Alyssa, we'll call her, Mm -hmm. who, um, you know, slipped up. She messed up. She cheated on her husband. Mm -hmm. And her husband acted in retaliation, emailed their entire wedding list of 270 people, including the grandmothers. And she went to her <laughs> rock-bottom place of everybody kind of excommunicated her. She had to get off social
0: media. Maybe that's why she cheated because any guy that would, or any human, not guy, I'm not going to isolate. I love men. I love you, men. Um, <laughs> isolate a person instead of also try to work it out with the person. Even if it's to agree like, hey, we can't be together. If someone's not capable at that time of forgiving somebody, somebody that would go sure. out. Sure, horrible.
1: Horrible. But, again, okay, so this, she, is, this is someone acting in pain, though, yeah. right? She caused pain, and she was doing the pain yeah. because she was in pain. So yeah. it's like we keep this pain perpetuating. So this is in the chapter you are whole. So it's like I bring this up because we've all messed up, right? And, yeah. like, I talk about my rock-bottom moment. I'm like, oh, shit, it wasn't part of my life plan to be a single mom. You know, my mom's from the Philippines where divorce is still illegal, by right. the way. It's, like, a big deal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, I say this because these teachings are – how do we feel mm-hmm. so hard? I know what it's like to be broke. I talk about that story too. When I was in New York City, I used to get, when I was starting off, I would buy three oranges for $1 because I read a study saying oranges were the fruit that would keep you fullest the longest. So I'm speaking from personal experience, yeah. not someone that's like, oh, I sit in a mountain all day and meditate. Like, I know what it's like to be broke. I know what it's like to, you know, feel like nothing.
0: What did your friend, what was, what do you think, what helped her when you're dealing with I think shame and guilt is the hardest, Huge. right? So you, you've blown it. You've made a mistake. There's nothing worse than making a mistake than wronging somebody. Yes. It's the worst. I mean, I'd rather be wronged all day long than wrong somebody. Because you have the power to forgive. You have the power to move away from a situation. When someone does something against you, no problem. When you've blown it, I mean, nothing feels shittier than that. So wh- where, does, where do you go from there? So where you go from
1: there is, number one, you have to come back to realizing that your behavior is not you, right? The true self, the ego is acting out here, acting in pain and trigger. So what we do is we reflect, we clean up the mess, we apologize, we mourn, we do whatever we need to do. We take the lessons, we say, oh man, like I realized I'm very reactive to this or this came from this pain or whatever. We really have to introspect and learn. And then we have to move on because shame is saying I'm bad. So there's a practice in the mm. book and it's a little bit more complex. So I'll just summarize it, but it's called the sun moon practice. So the name of my brand is Saluna that came out of this darkness, which is the sun and the moon. And what does that mean? It means our wholeness. It means we're not just this bright, cheerful, sunny part but we have the shadow side. We have this, you know, Carl Jung talks about the shadow, the unintegrated parts of ourself, the parts that we don't always want to talk about, the parts we don't always want to advertise. But there's a practice of writing out sun qualities and moon qualities right next to each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm a good friend. I'm a good listener. I'm thoughtful, blah, 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 blah. But being really honest and making the space to look at these qualities that you sometimes exhibit. Sometimes I'm really judgy. Sometimes I'm bitchy. I'm impatient. And so the practice is when you put the qualities next to each other and you create a safe space and you breathe in and you start to embody your wholeness and realize, okay, the surface me is changing. I am these things, I'm all of these things. Mm. And yet at the same time, I'm more than that. I'm the true self. So there's a specific practice that I worked with Alyssa on that I've worked with myself. I work in within the women's circles and it's so powerful because it means we take our power back of like, I I feel good, but I'm not really confident because I know I can really be mean and gossipy. So I don't really feel good as myself. It's like no, no, no. I own that I am all these things. I stop having shame about it because it's part of my shadow. I'm doing my work. I'm working on myself. I'm not pretending it's not there. And at the same time, I'm connected to something that's deeper than my personality and my behaviors. So that deep, deep self connection starts to create more compassion for yourself. Mm. And then we go into the very preliminary breathing practices too, um, of in this moment, find stillness. And where is the most basic place of stillness in this moment? You know where it is, Gabby? In between, Mm. in between your inhales and your exhales. Mm. So when you inhale, let's take a breath right now. And you exhale without trying, you'll just start to observe that there's a micro pause in between the inhale when you're full. And then between the exhale and the inhale, there's a micro pause. And that's a very special place that Yogananda talked about. That is pure stillness. So we pay attention to that gap of pure stillness where we're not Mm -hmm. thinking, we're not, our bodies aren't doing anything, we're not even inhaling and exhaling. And so we start to feel. And we start to understand the experience of what real stillness is. And then that starts to grow in our life, again, with these practices and these tools. And then we can take that stillness and the ability of going beyond judgment when we do the sun-moon practice, and we start to really create for the first time real self-acceptance. So that was the process of rebuilding Alyssa's life of like, oh, man, I fucked up. You know, I did this and I cleaned up the mess and she apologized and she had to go back to people and really. And then she said... I can't take it back, you know, can't do, you know, this I, is what it's done, but I have cleaned this up. I love myself. I know I was in pain. My behavior isn't me. I've learned my lessons and now I go forward with full, you know, more self-acceptance. Mm. And it took her a good two years yeah. to get past that oh, one. That's a big one. Those are tough. Those are tough. But, I mean, you know, think it's about like, how much we beat our, all of us beat ourselves up. All the time.
0: I think about that too. Like I, I you know, think about somebody who's an alcoholic or had a drug addiction just if there's like a loss of trust or you know, people don't take you at your word any longer, re- going through that and rebuilding that, I think um, is one of the most courageous things anyone could do. And, so important um, it's that's why in a way, it's daunting. So in a way, so many people don't do it because it almost seems like too much of a daunting undertaking. It's like, oh, I'll just stay with what everyone thinks and believes about me versus, Okay, I got to clean it up. I got to take a look at it, you know? Well, you know what I think, Gabby? (laughs) I get
1: really excited when you're talking about that because there's a chapter at the beginning of the book. This is one of my, this, this, you know, when I feel your energy, Gabby, this chapter like really reminds me of you. It's the chapter, you are a warrior. We always think of ourselves as warriors. Look, here comes the goosebumps again. But when I read the Bhagavad Gita, which is basically an allegory for life, and it's how we go through the battle of life because we're all fighting this battle every day. It's the battle of the senses and the ego versus the true self. So in the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna Gets the choice of the greatest army in the world, the biggest army in the world, or the council of Krishna. And he chooses the council of Krishna. And Krishna represents the voice of the true self. So they're going through these, these battles, of the, you know, the Pandavas and the Kurus, and it's all this allegory. So we, anyone that's like, oh, you know, I'm struggling. I don't know if I can do this, all this stuff. You read that chapter and... Waken that warrior in you. Like we're here because each of us has a purpose and mm-hmm. you may not be able to figure the whole thing out. Maybe you still are in an addiction or maybe you still lash out, whatever it is. Moment to moment, if you find that mm-hmm. one stillness, you do one practice for five minutes a day and it starts to build a different energy field. You are creating a deeper self connection you can reconnect. You can rebuild from the inside out. You may have to repair relationships. Maybe some are gone. You, you, you know, yeah. with love and peace, you say, I'm sorry, but, you know, I'll create new relationships. <laughs> yes. You can rebuild your life. Yeah. We have to bring out that warrior quality, yeah. which is the teachings of yoga. We are warriors. We have to be warriors.
0: And I think, you know, something that's interesting, I want to remind people. So there, there there, are going to be people who listen to this that are, they speak this language, right? Yes. They're all about it. And they're like, oh, I feel you. And then there's people who, um, they arrive at these languages from a different point of view. And what I will say is, it's interesting because even if we did it scientifically, if we examined your practices in your book scientifically, you are also creating a different environment, physical environment that would allow these responses to be different. So I I, I think it's, it's important that it's not woo-woo and all oh, of these no. things that when you have like breathing and you have certain things, you're also you're impacting the physiology and I was talking to my friend, uh, Dr. Andy Galpin, and we were talking about this interesting notion of how we are chemistry that's supposed to house the the spirit, the being. And so if the chemistry is wonky, it's really hard to the spirit to really be able to do its thing freely. And so I think sometimes there's an interesting way that people have to realize that, yes, there is a spirituality or a, or a sort of a philosophical approach to what you're talking about, but also implementing, you discuss food, you talk about meditation, breathing, all of these things also have a, a physiological oh. impact, which is if people need it, it's scientific.
1: And no, no, there, there is quite a bit of um, science in the book as well. There's quite a bit. Every chapter has studies that I cite as as in my, pri- my prior books, because I think the discerning mind, Yes. Um, especially which is can be stronger and certain people needs that. So for instance, you know, now scientists have measured things like mirror neurons or, um, you know, when we're talking about vibration, like being in high vibration emotion mm-hmm. of, of unconditional love versus resentment, this contraction, it's actually measured. There is, you know, studies that come, um, Stephen Stowe grants, for instance, wrote a book about the um, synchronicity that arises out of the chaos of nature. So it's about matching vibrations. Actually, this is in the magnetism chapter where, you know, fireflies in a certain environment start firing off at the same time. There's this energy that's being sensed in nature. So there's actually a lot of science in the book, Um, not because I don't think the teachings, you know, absolutely need it, but as humans living with a mind, I think that it really helps the mind calm down and say, Oh, I can trust this. And now, you know, we're, we're learning so much about a meditation. Um, you know, there was a study that Deepak was involved with the Chopra center with Scripps and with Duke right. that actually found a blood marker. Um, it, it, that showed if you're a meditator or not. So showing that it's not just, you know, mind is in the brain, but it actually goes throughout the entire body, the vibration, like what we're talking about, you know, to your point about meditation, and now they're measuring, you know, oh, mm-hmm. so what happens to the medulla oblongata? This is what's happening to your nervous system, which in turn affects your endocrine system and your immune system. So there's a very real organ effect. What I'm talking about here isn't, oh, just believe me, There is <laughs> there's science. And the more, you know, science progresses, Um, the more this is actually, you know, really backed up. It's incredible.
0: Well, you talk about going back to go forward. And I think that's very, very true, right? Like people were wise and understood these things and had practices in place. And now science is catching up to that. Um, Because in a way, you know, if, you're 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 a little like a fairy, right? Like you come in, you go, to oh, this fairy, and so I'm just I'm also rooting this in because yes. I want to remind people, um, because I'm a big believer in all of this stuff. Is um, it, it's not it, it's it's a very important combination of things, and how um, even when you're talking about the breath, they say the same thing about the heartbeat that they measure actually the pause between mm-hmm. the beats. And that says a lot about what's going on with us. So, I think it's it. You know, it's sort of everywhere. So, um, I want to just sort of a- I want to ask you because now you're you've you're in practice. Um, you have you you talk about six pillars in some of your other uh, books, right?
1: So four pillars are are the are, main things I teach now. Okay. Yes. So let let's just
0: let's re. Yes. Reinforce what those pillars are.
1: Yes, yes. So one quick thing I wanted to say about what you were just saying, Gabby, is you know one of the reasons that I really was drawn to Yoga Nanda's work, like this Kriya Yoga, um, which is the only type of yoga, by the way. You, really, you know, yoga, people think yoga is like the poses, right? But it's not. Huh. It's this Dhyana, Dhyana, you know, Pratyahara, like it's withdrawing the energy out here and bringing it in. The reason I was drawn to this practice. Um, which is the only type of yoga mentioned in the Yoga Sutras, by the way, um, is that he always said, and I encourage this in the book too: you test it for yourself. I'm not telling you to believe me. You do these practices, and you notice how differently you feel. You want to meditate in the morning in this mm-hmm. way because you notice you have a different morning. You want to do this, you know, breath work or this, you know, moon sun practice I was talking about. What, there's like a million practices in the book. Yeah. You do this, and you see how you feel and your experience. Your truth will dictate if you want to keep going or whether you accept it or not. So he said, you know, when he came to America and he just, he was talking about yoga and he was like, this is not blind dogma. You test it. And it was so powerful. You know, this is in the 1920s. It went all the way up. He met with Calvin Coolidge, the president of the United States. And even to this day, Autobiography of a Yogi, which is his book, is one of his core books, was the only book on Steve Jobs' iPad. Steve Jobs read the book every year because mm-hmm. it helped him tune into his creative power. And he was, you know, a, a big believer in Yogananda's work. So I just wanted to say that, you know, to anyone listening to this, to any readers, like, I'm not asking you to blindly believe me. There is science, but, you know, it is important to test the practices and and read it and feel in your own intuition the truth. Um, well, and also
0: what you've done is you've made it really s- simple. Yes, and accessible. And so I think, I think it's that's really a, a service to be able to take all the information and disseminate it and break it down. So so tell me let's yes. let's reinforce the f- <laughs> four <laughs> pillars and then we're going to talk about you as a as a mom. Oh great.
1: Want, so so yeah. this is um this is very practical, okay? So you know, people so my first book came out 10 years ago, right? And back then it was like, wellness was just kind of just like starting and people were like, oh, what is wellness? And then for a while it was like, it's still confusing. I think people are like, oh, is it, am I fair or is my diet good? Mm-hmm. We are well when we nourish our wholeness because we are whole beings and our wholeness is our power. So the four cornerstones are designed, this is the four cornerstones of true wellness, nourish us on all levels. So the cornerstones are food, because we all need to eat every day. And the food that you eat influences your energy. Body, which is everything other than food. So it's how we exercise, the supplements we take, our sleep, and how we take care of our skin, so on and so forth. Emotional well-being slash mental health. So the energy the energies in motion that are going on here, which we know directly impact. There is no mind-body connection. I do not use that term because connection implies two separate things that are Mm -hmm. joined at different junctures versus this continual feedback loop, influencing everything from our hormones, our rate of aging, our joy, our fulfillment in life, everything. We need to take care of that part. And then the fourth cornerstone is spiritual growth, which is that connection to the true self. And the more we develop that connection, it plays out in our world and we create from that place. So what I teach is a lifestyle that hits on all of that. So for instance, in my morning practice, you drink hot water with lemon to start stoking your digestion. You make the glowing green smoothie, which is a simple smoothie I've taught for years. It's, you know, it's lots of fiber, lots of antioxidants, so on and so forth. You take SBO probiotics that we have at Saluna, Mm -hmm. which are great for getting past your stomach acid, the clinically researched formula and gets into your gut, I recommend a couple minutes of, you know, introspection or journaling, and then you always meditate. So here we're starting the day nourishing all aspects of ourself. So then we go into the day really fortified. What I found is that if people have an issue in one cornerstone, and let's be honest, like I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of clients and celebrities over the years, People struggle with food or they struggle with their body. And the issue is, like, imagine these four cornerstones. It's always not going deeper into this. So people come to me and it's like, oh, my God, their diet's already really good. What about the riboflavin? Maybe there's hidden sugars. Like, they obsess and obsess. no, 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 we go wider. Yeah. You are not nourishing the opposite cornerstone. So always with, not always, but most of the case with food, it's because your emotional well-being isn't being adequately nurtured. They're not processing stress, their feelings, yeah. this obsession with the body. How the body looks, the external form, spiritual growth, get in touch with the part beyond the body. So when I started to teach this, I mean, first of all, I'm putting language to it now, but from the beginning, you know, you see some of my long-term amazing clients, Drew Barrymore, I've worked with her now for over 10 years. Um, This was why I was so different, because it wasn't like, here's your diet, yeah. report back to me these numbers. It was this holistic way. And it was so deep and nourishing. And people were getting these amazing results. And not just feeling great, but by the way, looking amazing. Um, and so I know that when we treat ourselves as whole, and we nourish all the levels Even the stuff we don't understand, but we're meditating and suddenly I have less food cravings and suddenly there's a better flow in my body. It's because there is a higher intelligence connecting everything. There's a lot of things we don't understand. A lot of neuroscientists come on my podcast too and they'll say the same thing. We don't really know how the brain works, you know? There's a lot more going on beyond what we understand, but what we know is that we're whole. So when we nourish that, instead of just fragmenting ourselves and obsessing about food or fitness or body, the results actually get better.
0: Well, it does bring that consciousness, I think I feel like that's half the battle. It's just the consciousness of like even if you're not sort of taking that moment, you're at least aware that you're not taking the moment.
1: Yes. Or
0: it, you know yes. what I'm so saying you're not, like sometimes in
1: it it's like so identified you don't even know you're not taking right. the moment. Right. So
0: at least you're like okay, I know today got away from me and I I maybe need to have a, a some quiet, a little more quiet time tomorrow. Or the day got away from me and I didn't even get to move my body. But it's even just having yes. that overall oh, awareness, I think, is huge. Is so is You're so, so big. So right,
1: Gabby. And like triggers, like 10 years ago, I wouldn't have said, Oh, I have triggers and patterns because of unprocessed emotions in me. I'd be like, I don't like that person. That person annoys me, right? It's still out here projecting yeah. versus understanding everything's a mirror, Mm. and everything that's bothering me is an unprocessed wound in me. Right. Right? So that's like, whoa, like that awareness has completely transformed my life as well. And that's what that um, whole chapter is about too.
0: I I was thinking too about this where you're like your whole self. At times, I'd love to know what you think about this, is sometimes though it makes you, I don't want to say more isolated, but... Like, I love my family. I do. Of course. I love my husband. I love my children. It's effortless as far as like, it's so primal and, and there's so many levels to it. But there are things because I, I try, I fail all the time, but I try my best to, to sort of rely on myself or be, you know, enough for myself that at times it has felt, um, you know, you don't feel so needy. And so it's an interesting dynamic Mm, mm. when you're in friendships and you're in interpersonal relationships and you go like, I really love you. And I'm not, it's not that I don't need anything. I certainly, I want things from Laird, you know, I like, you know, affection and attention and conversation. But there is an interesting balance. Yes. And for my children too, because my life, my happiness doesn't rely on my children. And that is so powerful. Yes, but it's a very interesting dance sometimes because you're like, wait, am I being loving enough? Do they know that I have this deep tenderness and, you know, sort of yearning for them, but yet still be completely independent from them? So it
1: moves from like you're describing the needing And this, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on relationships, this like, I need it to be this way, I need love from you, into sharing, right? So it's like, so instead of like, I need this, it, it is this blossoming of the heart energy of this unconditional love that just grows more and more and more and we just become so much more loving and then it's not that you you know need my husband but I want right. I like sharing life with yeah. him I like having shared experiences I really like cuddling at night and going through the day right so it takes away the pressure of this like and we put on our kids sometimes and our spouses and our friends of like you know you need to show up for me in this way or this needs to be a certain way and it it makes life just lighter it's like it's not so serious so we, yeah. we're sharing this And what I have found, it doesn't isolate. It brings together more because when you drop all the neediness, there's just more pureness. It's more like, hey, we're having a laugh and we're sharing. And I know if I get triggered, it's like on me to soothe myself. I don't need you to show up this way. It takes away the pressure.
0: But I think a lot of, especially girlfriends, and I say that with quotes, um, it's going to take a special kind of friend that understands that, un- that gets that about you. Cause I think women tend to, uh, and I, I, it's like, Oh, we're going to get, it sometimes doesn't feel like sharing. It feels like obligation. Yeah. They're always throwing things on calendars. They're always trying to do like girls, this and all. And I'm not saying some of it isn't sharing, but there is an interest. I guess it's an interesting dance. So c- because I just want to encourage, encourage someone if they're at a place where they f- kind of feel pretty good in a still place, um, you're, you might have less friends that really un- can understand that.
1: And that's okay.
0: Yeah, like, oh, for yeah. me,
1: For me, I think you're like me, Gabby. Like, I am, you know, I'm, I'm out doing stuff, but I'm actually, like, really an introvert. Like, mm. I like a lot of stillness. I'm with my family a lot. And if I'm not, <laughs> I want to read or write. I just, like, kind of be by myself. So... For me, it's that self-awareness, that self-understanding. Like, I don't feel bad saying no. I have very healthy boundaries. And if I choose to do something with friends, usually, first of all, I try to make it a group thing so I see more people at once. And it's very intentional. Like, tonight I'm doing a a women's circle because it's very connection. Like, we go around, we check in. It's, like, the most connected. It's rich. Yes, it's very rich. But, like, you know, some of the shopping trips and stuff, I'm like... I'm sorry, I just don't have time for that. Yeah. And we just know our boundaries. I know that's going to feel depleting. It's going to feel like an obligation. Yeah. And so the guilt goes away when we're so connected and we can hold those healthy boundaries with firmness but love. You know yeah. what? I'm just not there right now. Yeah. I don't have any guilt. And yeah. if you don't have guilt, they don't feel weird. But no. that comes from connection. It's very
0: and I have a friend, we always say clear communication. It's very okay. clear. So when you're, when you, your kid, your children are um five and what? A year and a half? 16. No, yeah. 16 right? months at the end of the month. Okay. 17 months. you're so, like, like so specific with the months. I know. I love when people are like <laughs> 16, uh, you know, when they say it, 16 13 months, I'm like, seriously, as a mother, I've never did that. I know. How like, old are they? What? It's like, yeah, it's yeah. like around there. yeah <laughs> It's like my kid's walking at Okay. Okay. We're all going to get there. Um, when you're under it, because we all get under it, we I think family life, it, there's a repetition to it. It can kick your ass in a real way. You can you can feel behind it, under it. You know, it's sometimes it's like chaos. You joked about my house being clear and clean oh because God. this is how I navigate a busy life and busy. And, and I want to reinforce that it, it was never always. It was more chaotic when my kids were l- younger. Um it it has Do they their, all
1: live here?
0: Um two live here, one's only at home right now, one's at a tennis academy and one's grown out in the world. But um this house is a pretty active house typically. Um Justin can attest to that. There's a lot of humans coming and going, quite a lot of energy. How do you and you know, you have you have um you have answers or cards. You you have information. You've written books. You understand it. It's also even intuitive to you at this point. Yes. When you're there in the under, what do you tell yourself, or what do you do? Who's got you? Don't have time to meditate because you got one hanging on you and one going. Look over here. Look over here. Look over here. Yeah. Where do you go? How do you? how do you? And then your husband's looking at you like, do you have time for me? Like, do you want to like, hey baby, (laughs) hey baby? It's like they're like, are you thinking about sex right now? Like, are you crazy? Oh wait. Oh yeah, every day. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So where do you what do you what do you do? How do you support yourself or what do you tell yourself? Or you just go, ha, I'm in the shit show and have fun with it and you'll get back to it.
1: No, I I think especially as women, you know, this goes back to the healthy boundaries and setting up systems. I think that sometimes we just take and we take and we absorb and we absorb and then we get depleted and broken down and then we lose our sense of self. So for me, again, over time, I've strengthened this real clarity. I say, Gabby, I can have two jobs. I cannot have three. So I'm with with my kids, you know, I drop them off, pick them up. Um, I schedule my podcast during nap time. Like I'm very hands-on. And then I have my business, you know, I have Saluna, and then I have my podcast, the Feel Good Podcast, and I have my book. So I have a very full work life and my kids. And those are my two things. The third part, and you know, again, I know my limits, and um, I'm very grateful that we're at this point where I outsource that. So
0: we have, you know, some wonderful... I, I almost had a laugh help. like you outsource sex time with your husband. Oh, and I was like, amazing. Oh, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. So we have this
1: amazing you know, housekeeper, yeah. and she helps my life. She... She you, know, she, tell you she, you have she cooks, she cleans, you know, she'll do the food shopping and stuff. And I can't take on everything. So the things that I can, it's very systematic. Mm-hmm. Um, I give it away and then I know what I can do. And then my team knows that I am a mom first. Yeah. So I know, to be honest, I'm not someone, you know, some people are like five, six months ahead on their podcast. I'm never that far ahead because I'm a mom. Yeah. So I know my limits and I don't know how I wrote this book <laughs> during COVID, yeah. but Okay, this book was really different though. This book came through it was Moses was 34 weeks it. pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Just, the idea just came through and it just came out in a very like organic way. But um, to answer your question, I know what works for me. So, and you know, if you're listening, you're like, oh shit, I'm not there. But I've been meditating for 12 years. Yeah. So even though Moses wakes up at 5.30, I want to get up at five sometimes earlier because I need to meditate So I have, I feel better. It's for me, you know? So I I meditate before they're awake. Like I, that's the one thing that I don't scrimp Mm -hmm. on. I'll, you know, make a smoothie instead of making a healthy meal sometimes because I just don't have time. I'll do things like that. But I do have my core practices that I, are my non-negotiables. And I'll be like, okay, hubby, John, like, you know, I, you know, this, he woke up earlier. I'm gonna go in my spot and I'm gonna meditate for 20 minutes and I'll be back. Family knows that's a priority. Emerson said my older son will be like, oh, mama's like in her, my like basement, pot office. He's like, don't go down there. Mama's meditating. And now I meditate with him at night too. So, you know, bring it in. But um, I'll say, like, it's important that we know our systems. We outsource, we call for help. If you know, we, we have carpooling or you do nanny share, you do whatever works within that community, in your community. And it's important not to take everything on.
0: Yeah. And then what if you get into a hassle with John? Like you have it, you have a you're in COVID, you're you're sort of all trapped together, very young children. Um because again, yes. someone like me looks at someone like you and thinks, Oh, uh the, the there's, a, there's a softness there that I'm like, do you bring that softness? Because weirdly, like I have a toughness and I'm actually softer with my husband than probably people would expect, because first of all, that's the strategy that works very well with his personality. Uh, If you, if you want to work it out quickly with him, you don't like, I think you're being still, you know, Laird is, is, uh, you can inspire him with love. Like, so I'm wondering, I'm looking at you and I'm like, okay, when, when John's like stepped over the boundaries, we all push over each other's boundaries. just happens. It's usually non-intentional. Is it, Hey, I want to talk to you. Do you ever have a freak out? I mean, like, what is it? (laughs) Oh, so first of all, it's funny that you describe yourself as tough
1: because I, you know, that's like the shell, but I've been looking at you this whole time and all I see is this like soft, beautiful, expansive soul. So I would not describe you as
0: tough. Well, I try to be appropriate. Yes. So I'm I, saying, I've invited you here to talk to me. Yes. And I, that's this is, so the appropriate thing is to be, well, first of all, I'm always wanting to be from a loving place. Yes, I feel that. So even if I'm in a business meeting, I'm not looking at you like, I'm here to, you know, it's still, I'm trying to be a loving person. Yes. Human.
1: And that comes um, through.
0: But But certainly, yes, I want to lead with that. Because... I'm working on my triggers, which is anytime I feel unsafe or fearful, like I said earlier, I move to aggression because that's an overcompensation. So I'm always moving and having my physical size has really Mm. um, given me a luxury, Mm -hmm. a real luxury. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you don't. And I've met a lot of really tough people and they're all the... The least tough acting, right? Like the the line from the book um, Natural Born Heroes. I've said it many times. To be a true warrior, which is what I'm interested in, um, one must be compassionate. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I think for me, I am really interested in being tough, but the real tough.
1: Yeah, the, the loving. It's the, yeah. you know, like the energy of uh, Durga, if you know any of the like the Hindu goddesses, which yeah. are all aspects of the one divine. But yeah. she has eight arms, and yeah. each arm has a weapon.
0: <laughs> I'm down.
1: And so <laughs> one arm has a sword. So it's not like we're always just supposed to be nice. That sword yeah. cuts through BS. And then one arm mm. is a bow and arrow, this ability to focus. One arm is a book. Sometimes you bring knowledge one arm as a lotus leaf sometimes you bring peace one arm is like this like silence like nothing right so it's this resourcefulness in the warrior that is the real strength sometimes you need to bring that you know toughness as you're describing and sometimes it's like that you know, softer energy. Yeah. So the funny thing is my husband is... And he's um, a big guy, right? He's a big guy. He's a big guy. He is a big <laughs> dude. He's like, you know, I describe in the book, it's kind of a cross between a teddy bear and an MMA fighter. Yeah. His body, except for his neck at this point, he's completely covered in tattoos. Yeah. He's a little spot on his leg, but he's just completely tattooed. Now he's gotten into his hands.
0: Are you going to take care of his liver later or what? <laughs> it's just No, you have to process a lot through oh the skin. Oh, God.
1: I mean, listen, like it's been over years and years and yeah. years.
0: It's... it's you know,
1: yeah. gold grill in his teeth. Um, <laughs> now he's in a dreadlock stage. So he has this very like kind of tough Brock, image. Yeah. Um But again, I find that some of the, like the tough shells are like the biggest softies. And so when there is, and we've learned to navigate each other, I'm Aquarius, like the fairy energy you're talking about, I'm very Vata, as it's described, very airy. And so I am very independent and he's like a cancer sign. So he's like, he really needs like connection and like, like, you know, real closeness, um. So we, you know, at night, sometimes I just want to like go in the corner and meditate and read. And he's like, no, like this is our hangout time. I'm like, okay. So I think it's, you know, the way we resolve conflict is just um, real, just understand, like, first of all, it's self-work. We both work on ourselves. We've both come to understand like the shadows he's brought up in me and the shadows I brought up in him that were never there before. I said, oh my gosh, like, I didn't know this was there because it's the first, it's like real soulmate love that I never had before. And that type of deep penetrating love, soulmate isn't just happy, like peaceful. It's, Bringing up stuff so you heal, you mm-hmm. know. So we've we do a lot of work on ourselves, and then we are good communicators. And sometimes we say like, "Okay, I need a break," and like, we yell? take
0: space. Do you ever yell?
1: I'm not really a yeller. I'm more like a like a like a clam. Like I'll. Close oh, you up. hold. You
0: close up. Okay. Yeah,
1: and so he uh. is more like storms out, <laughs> 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 you know, or just like you know, it's just we have our different dynamics. Yeah. But it, you know, we've, we've coming together and it, it's like, you know, when the triggers come, we come back a lot faster now and, um, you
0: know, mostly peaceful. Yeah. I'm always just curious. Cause like, honestly, when I see people like you, I'm like, Oh, I wonder what that's like, you know? <laughs> Cause I, 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 that energy is, is so unique. Okay. So, um. You have a podcast. What day does your podcast come out? The Feel Good podcast. What day does of the week are, do you release new podcasts?
1: So Monday is our interviews. And then Thursday we do a Q&A, a shorter community one that just comes from questions from the community. Okay. It's twice a week. And did you do an Audible on this book? We did an Audible. It's not going to be released for some time after the book. So the the hard copies are really what I encourage because of the practices. And I think there's something really solid about having a tangible book versus like a Kindle. Yeah, Um, There's a certain weight to these teachings. I think, you know, the hard copy is probably what I, it is what I recommend.
0: And then if I, so you are more than you think you are. And People can find it everywhere. I mean, Amazon, and they can go online. and
1: Yes, yes. They can go on Amazon. They can go to my website, mysaluna, with 2 lscom Okay. And there's uh, different bonuses. Like, for instance, if you get two copies, you can get our Beyond Fear course, which I teach with Hubby for the first time. <laughs> oh, I and, saw that. I, re- I saw that. You're yes, like, oh, he's
0: going to be, oh, that's going to be, f- Yes, yeah, that'll so be fun. You're like, that's s- not the way we do it, sweetie. Ha, ha, Come on,
1: John. <laughs> I think there's like, you know, very strong divine feminine energy I have in his very strong masculine energy plays well for the course. So, um, but yeah, you can get it wherever books are sold.
0: Now, what did I miss? What did I, what would be something that feels really important or you'd want to invite people if in fact I, I didn't cover it today?
1: Well, one thing I want to mention, um, is that, you know, we do have this really amazing, deep community space called the Saluna Circle. And we do a live Zoom every month where everybody shares, like we are live, we are together. And then there's daily chats. There's a theme this month, it's living a life of gratitude, where there's meditations that come out that I create and elixirs and recipes and um, all the four cornerstones to support you going deeper. And the transformations of the women I've seen are just amazing. People have been like quitting jobs and getting new ones, leaving toxic relationships, getting pregnant for the first time. Mm. So if anyone's looking for that, like really beautiful community space. I invite them into the Saluna circle and the information's on the website
0: too. Okay. Kimberly, before we go, just remind people exactly all the places in a condensed place that they can find you.
1: Okay. So you can find me on social at underscore Kimberly Snyder. My main website is mysaluna, S-O-L-L-U-N-A.com. And my podcast is called the Feel Good Podcast
0: which I will have you sit on, Gabby. Okay. I can't wait. No, you're smart. You had Laird on first from your closet. I love that. <laughs> hey, listen, we all have to go in the closet sometimes. <sighs> it's just the way life is. I really appreciate your time, and I appreciate this work a lot because I think, again, bringing awareness and practical applications to ideas that are bigger and more spiritual, um, I think is certainly more – it's always important, but it's it feels like it's more important right more now, than ever. Totally. So um, –
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Gabby. This has been so much fun. Thanks.
0: Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. All of my music was graciously done by Frank Zumo and Tom Thacker. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday.